Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. listen. Now, live from Chicago, the Hal Sparks radio program mega worldwide. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Hal Sparks, actor, comedian, and multimedia personality. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hal Sparks. All right, let's do this. How are you this fine morning, Johnny Million? I'm good. What's that last let's do this from? That sounds so familiar. Um, it's, uh, that was added by Chicago. So, um, oh. I want to say it's from Community? No, par- like a Parks and Rec something? I don't know. Mm, okay. Yeah. But uh, either way, it, it speaks to, you know, the quality of, of uh, and the verve of the show, if I may use the word verve, and I think that I can this close Please, to the holidays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I use the word pipe? No, not at all. Uh, that's off limits. As a matter of fact, we have, now we got to do it. Wait for the seven second dump to catch up with us because that word is <laughs> censored. Not because um, smoking one or, you know, St. Nick is known to have one. Uh, Sherlock sure. Holmes used to, but the way you use it, in, it, yeah, it deals nasty. with anatomy. Right. It's yeah. gross. So, yeah, that's it's exactly the issue. Um, all right. So welcome to the show, everybody. It's Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. We're here every Saturday and we appreciate you being here. If you're watching on the live stream at infotainmentwars.com or twitch.tv slash Hal Sparks, we're everywhere. We're on Facebook and we're streaming out live into your car right now. Relax. Yay. Hal we're Vickery go- gave us twenty five dollars for oh. testing positive for covid. Oh, no. He tested positive for COVID. That's terrible. Yeah, but it but, feels okay. All right. Well, that's the good part because he's been vaccinated and he's going to be just fine. And that's the lovely part. And Johnny has a cat on his lap. I have I two know. foster kittens upstairs uh, in my... I saw them on Summer's feed. They look yes, on on Yes. They're in Cam's room right now. Um, he's Aww. He's got roommates. And uh, yeah, just great stuff. Um, so we're... We're all set up for the holidays. The heat has been turned on, so my voice is a little dry. What? I have a little bit of a I have a little bit of a light scratchy, light cough or whatever, and I think it's just because we finally because it's forty six degrees here, which you know in Chicago standards is is you know that's that's reasonable. You know what I mean? It's not a little if I were going to run. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And you and you more likely wouldn't because you'd be you know West Coast acclimated. Which is right. terrible for runner's blood, but yes, imagine. it is. Yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly. Now, um, there's lots of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, Carrie Lake just announced that she's going to sue Katie Hobbs and and Arizona for not electing her. And, this is um, my surprise which, face. Yes, right, and, uh, and I, I think that's great. I think anytime I I think that should be the standard for winners and losers in the country. If you win. Uh, just take the job. If you lose, yeah. you should sue, sue. till you get sue, yeah, sue, and sue. Just sue it, you know, because that's that's what time. It, it's what winners do. <laughs> it really is. And then um, there, of course, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about what's going on in Ukraine currently right now. Um, Angela Merkel uh, referencing the Minsk Agreement gave you know as as a you know a way of giving. Uh, Ukraine time to prepare for the inevitable attack that Russia was going to do is being read as we planned this all along to attack Russia by making them attack Ukraine. Like same same argument that's been going on for months from the same people. But we'll discuss that a little bit with Philip in our second one. But but I think we should between you and I discuss 
finally, the Twitter files. Because I really haven't touched on them much at all because there no, isn't much all. much there. So they're already on their third iteration. The first two have, you know, have been lead ballooning their way through the right wing nut jobosphere where they're, they're doing a lot of I told you so. Because, like, Dan Bongino's account, this is probably the one that stands out the most, in the second iteration of the Twitter files, apparently had a do not amplify and a search, deny, like a, you know, don't help search for him or make him unsearchable on the site. Because he had multiple TOS violations, not because of his politics, not because they just don't like conservatives or they don't like his stupid face. It's because they literally were just saying, we, you know, he's he's had this many violations for a time because he doesn't seem to be learning his lesson. We're going to let him back on. But we're but there should be a period which. He's not as readily available as other stuff. Now, the fun part, if I may. Sorry, I have to close my door because the cats have a story to tell. Um, uh, the, the fun part for me was, uh, the, you know, that going through these things, there is a, a, you know, you've got Elon Musk, who clearly has a, a, a dog in this fight. And is. Yes, he the, does. Yes, he does. He's watching, uh, and and if, it, if he's having to put that dog down, apparently because it is not doing well, it's can't stand anymore. Has to drag itself to the water bowl. It's getting very sad. Um, and and I'd like to remind <laughs> everyone himself to the water bowl. Right. The uh, the it, you know if uh, it cost him forty four billion dollars to purchase Twitter at fifty three. $53 a share um, or 50, 55 I'm out there. I don't think he wanted to buy it really. Yeah, you, really? You think it? Because I do, and I'll tell you why. Oh, yeah? Um, I, I you'd feel ha- like he just got, I think he like just got caught in a dare and it's like, okay, I'll eat the, uh, I'll eat the dog turd. Um, uh, yes, but only because it was. You just he, like saying this, that, Devin. The stock, the stock quit it, you guys, because the stock price went down because he could have bought it at a cheaper price. He was, you know, the goal was just so you know, there is a monetary infrastructure that will come out, um, you know, using Meta as a platform in a in a bunch of different areas. I mean, people are literally buying virtual real estate in the metaverse already for stupid amounts of money. That is going to be a norm at some point. Mix that with an already existing monetary structure inside of video games like Call of Duty and others where you transfer money into Call of Duty points and you use that to buy to buy stuff in the game. You don't just buy it directly for cash because you can also earn those coins in the games. And if you don't have enough, you can add actual cash in and that's how you get some of the loadouts and the other stuff. And as a as a Call of Duty player, guilty is charged. I have but I've done both, and so that is for all practical purposes a foreign you know, the currency. Times, the two times that I've been that my finances have been compromised, like somebody got a hold of my PayPal, and another yeah. time someone got a hold of my credit card, they bought virtual stuff. Yes, right, because they can transfer it without uh, much of a you know the trail is so digital you can't find them physically. 
Exactly. So, yeah, they they went and bought like you know a bunch of armor for Fortnite or something. Or yeah, and then you can sell like, These it. Transactions on- do they're not in line, right? You didn't you didn't you didn't get the big like banana suit in Fortnite? <laughs> no. If somebody compromised my credit card and bought a banana suit, no yeah. harm, no foul. In in real life, yeah. <laughs> as long yeah. as it's not virtual. I mean what? So Right, yeah, no, real life banana so suit. Let's there see. is Think about this in terms, and and this, uh, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of like, because let me explain something. Crypto is insane. Like it, we are all seeing it collapse, just like I said it would. It's I, ridiculous. Know, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking it might be my time to jump in. To jump in, right? It is. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait for the bottom, Johnny. That's all I'm saying. So <clears throat> now the. Uh, the Basically, and the irony, the beauty, the hilarity is that the very same people who are telling you gold is real money are the same people selling crypto. Exact same humans. Hilarious. Yeah. Makes no sense. But we, but that's for another day. But the idea that you would that you convert physical money into a digital currency and then back into physical money happens all the time. You use a debit card, for example, but but it's representative of a dollar is a dollar is a dollar, whether it's in physical form or not. The difference is, is that when you create a secondary monetary system like Call of Duty points or you just buy credits for ads on Facebook at a certain price point which is technically a conversion, you are still adding to the monetary value of both of those entities, both Activision and Microsoft or Facebook, Meta. And from that, they slice off a piece that they, you know, their service uh, that they're providing you for allowing you to buy stuff through there is a lucrative business model. Okay, The reason why Musk wanted Twitter was it was the cheapest of the top. Uh, Instagram had already been bought by Meta. Um, Snapchat's not going anywhere. TikTok is a Chinese company. It's malware. Don't go anywhere near it. Twitter is the cheapest day in town. If you were going to buy and take over something that already had the base that you could build off of and make billions of dollars, Twitter is the thing. But to do that, You have to set up one of these exchanges. You have to find some way that people are making money on Twitter to besides just advertising the users themselves like, you know, I I live stream on YouTube or I live stream on Twitch or I live stream on Facebook or people sell products on Facebook or those kind of things. Twitch doesn't really have the architecture to do that. But if you could add it, it's worth would double, triple, what have you, over time. And it's got enough customers where that's a reality. Okay, so that's why he wanted it. And ultimately his goal was, at least early on, was to use Dogecoin, which is a crypto that he was very invested in, as a way of, as the primary currency exchange in that upcoming marketplace, thereby jump-starting Bitcoin and crypto using Twitter as a portal. He has a lot of money in in crypto, and this was a way to buoy it as it was sinking. Buoy as it was sinking. That's one of my threats. I'm sorry. It's fine. But the the thing you need to know is that the timing was almost as bad as his idiotic Shanghai Gigafactory choice. 
Because where people might think that he has he's a good idea man when it comes to futurism, when really he just kind of borrows and slathers on, you know, he does he's he wants to be Bill Gates. Let Apple do all your R and D. I'm getting those kids out the the miners out of that mine. It, is he while well, cursing the people who do it? Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, he's that 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 was the idea that Twitter will eventually become a portal by which you buy and sell things, and to do it, you have to set up an FTX kind of a system. This whole thing that just crashed. You have to set that up within Twitter where you put money into Twitter using your credit card, your debit card, or some other source, a gift card, what have you, like you could do GameStop cards and that whatnot. And then while it's inside the internal structure of Twitter, it exists as Dogecoin with its ups and downs. And then when you want to get money out of it, if you're on the other side of a pay transaction, you get it out in cash by selling Dogecoin that you have because someone else gave it to you. That's it. Meanwhile, both giving Elon Musk a slice of money from the inner from the transaction fees itself and booing Dogecoin as a worthwhile Wee. coin. Wee. I'm going to reach I'm through really the happy with myself. It's good. No, it's great. I like it. I need it because this is so dry and annoying to me. But but to to raise that up uh-huh, so that uh-huh, so that um, he could make money off his investment in Dogecoin. That's that's essentially what the that was the that's what he was thinking when he was smoking pot late last year, coming up with this stupid plan. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's I'm, he was he was gaming Call of Duty, he plays all the time, and he was smoking weed, and he was. Going, ah, I've got it. If I can make Call of Duty points a thing using crypto in Twitter, then it's worth, you know, 200 billion instead of 50. That's the, that was the idea. The problem was his timing stinks and he doesn't think that kind of stuff through. And he also doesn't know how it works at all and didn't bother to do any of the research. And so it started to collapse. We've got to take a break. When we come back, we'll, we'll dive into the beginning of the Twitter files and the irony that the third iteration of the Twitter files actually point to the fact that one of the guys working at Twitter is a huge Trumper and was jonesing to let the cat out of the bag um, whenever Trump got in trouble, but ignoring the fact when lefties got in trouble. Fascinating. We'll be back right after this. It's the Health Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up, like, and subscribe if you're watching us on any of the streams, wherever you are. If you're just listening on the radio, just smile. You're going to be all right. We'll be back in a little bit. Welcome back to the House Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back. So, yeah, I um, I am on Rumble as well, although I, uh, I just look up House Sparks. That's my account name on, on Rumble um, because I'm only on there to irritate right wingers because that's the that's their. They think that's base. They think they're safe there or something like that. That's their little cul-de-sac. And they're like, leave us. It's their safe space, to use the vernacular of the time. Now, right. so we've had uh, the first of the Twitter files was uh, done by Matt Taibbi, a guy who started his career by having a misogynistic um, easing in Russia, making fun of expats and how they would sexually harass the Russian women in their office. That's so weird, because same. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's where you, it was. That yeah. was your your initial job order. It just didn't go as far. No. Because yours no. was in crayon, 
And I'm not good at it. And my no. idea of misogynistic jokes is it's apparently adolescent. Far and far too polite. It doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> I'm way too polite. Yeah, you you, you know, uh, um, you can, you couldn't even. Uh, what was that? Um, Kevin's mom has got it going on. I remember when that song would come on and you would blush. You're just terrible at it. Yeah, yeah. So man. yeah, so Matt Taibbi did the first round. Then Barry Weiss, um, who is a female and is not a soul singer, who we lost. Well, uh, that's a different person. Just to clarify, that's Barry White. Um, mm. Did the second round. Um, also a dud. Third one is up, and this one is. Thread the Twitter files titled The Removal of Donald Trump Part 1, October 2020 to January 6th. Now, this is from a thread. So when do you think the removal of Donald Trump from Twitter really gathered steam in that time range from October 2020 to January sixth. What was well? Was there anything in particular that Christmas, really? A lot of Christmas tweets. I bet there were a lot of Christmas treats. That didn't do it. That didn't no. do it. Uh, New Year's nothing. Nothing. Um, New Year's. No. <clears throat> December fourteenth. They was the day that they had to turn in the electoral votes, certify all the state oh, elections. Yeah, yeah. That would have been one of them. All right. So this is from uh, Taibbi's thread, um, which, by the way, he and Barry Weiss signed a, an agreement that they can write these things on their own substacks and whatnot and make as much money. But they have to first publish them on Twitter, basically to drive up traffic. This is what this is for. So I'm doing it so you don't have to. The world knows much of the story of what happened between riots at the Capitol on January 6th and the removal of President Donald Trump from Twitter on January 8th. Um, No, they don't. Not on the inside, anyways. For That's me speaking. That's ridiculous. Um, We know that he fomented this attack. And with his whole like, we're going to walk down there and I'm going to go with you and we're going to down peacefully and patriotically. But if they don't do what we need, you're going to have to be strong or you won't have a country left, which is a fight, which is basically like, you know, don't destroy anything on the way to let, you know, keep your powder dry. Wait till you see the whites of their eyes kind of talk from, you know, but from an idiot. We'll show you what hasn't been revealed. The erosion of standards within the company in the months before J6. Decisions by high-ranking executives to violate their own policies and more against the backdrop of ongoing documented interaction with federal agencies. This first installment covers the period between the election through January 6th. Tomorrow, Schellenberger will detail the chaos inside Twitter on January 7th. Yeah, because why bother writing articles about the chaos in the Capitol on the 6th? On Sunday, Barry Weiss will reveal the secret internal communications from the key date of January 8th, when Trump is still trying to foment violence in the country. Whatever your opinion on the decision to remove Trump that day, um, he violated the terms of service and he he was when he when he signed up, he checked that box. Oh, he did. The internal communications at Twitter between January 6th and 8th have clear historical import. This is the part where, by the way, they're like, we know this is a dud, but we're part of history because we should tell you what how the conversation went, which was there was a big back and forth. Now, are we seeing in this thread the undoctored 
Are there links in this thread, insofar as I've seen, that lead you to, here's the whole conversation? What do you think the answer is to that question? Johnny Million from Chicago, Illinois. What it, give it a stab it up. You're, you buzzed in first. What do you okay. think the answer is to, are these things sourced, and is the context of the greater conversation actually shown in this Twitter thread. Dun, 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 I'm going to say, oh, I think there might be some cherry picking. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. Ladies and gentlemen, All not only are you not seeing links to these messages that are put in here as examples of, of bias and whatnot, you are seeing, wait for it, photographs, v- pictures. What? Somebody took, like, pictures with their phone of the well they're, they're they're screenshots of stuff um and like literally uh, a screenshot shot yeah well the it that's what barry weiss did matt okay. taibbi literally is just clipping stuff off of his screen but the okay. point is okay. it's not searchable you do not have the database to look at it you know, maybe they will in the future, but it's very telling that they're not doing it right out of the gate. There are there. And by the way, if there were ever a situation where Elon Musk could flip a switch and say they have special footnoting ability where they could put in a lot of other links, like we can only put one link in. Right. But, you know, put in, you know, you could put in seven links on something. Believe me, these guys would be allowed to do it. Flip of a switch. It would not, you know, a digital switch, even at that, a mouse click. So um, uh, he shows, like, one, the first one he shows, mm-hmm. um, even Twitter's employees understood in the moment, it was a landmark moment in the annals of speech. Simmer. And it shows an unnamed, mm-hmm. pictureless. I'm, I'm listening. It, it's an unnamed, pictureless account. Because it's been redacted with the time they posted it in the day, but not the date, which I don't know what the hell that is. And the and the statement from the employee is, is this the first sitting head of state to ever be suspended? Hmm. Like, ta-da. And now, I would like to say for the record uh, that I don't understand why Republicans are so blind to the idea that in guaranteeing government employees, even the president of the United States, a social media account that they are guaranteed to be verified and guaranteed to have one by force of government is indeed itself totalitarian, authoritarian, uh, it, you know, censorship, message control, <laughs> a lot of Aryans. All the Aryans. Yes, all of the Aryans. And, and some that would now... Um, because if the government can go, yeah, you can start a social media network, but you have to give the president of the United States an account. Just saying it in those terms, I think any right winger would, would would recognize that's nuts. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like saying you can open a restaurant, but you have to have a, a small special chair set there for the governor all the time in case he wants to come in and eat. You can open up a mall, but you have to have one of the dressing rooms assigned to the Secretary of State. She has to come in, you know, she can come in and try on things whenever she wants, and it must always be available. Now, granted, these are virtual spaces, but it's not like it doesn't take 
energy in the cloud to maintain accounts, especially if they have a lot of video and that kind of stuff over time. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll continue with the the lameness of the Twitter files. Already, you're recognizing that this is propaganda. It is literally meant to make you feel a certain way about this. It is a story, much like the Hunter Biden laptop much like- story. You'll hear the word story attached to these things instead of this is what happened. This is the circumstance. This was a reality. It's the story that's important. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Park Radio program, Mega Worldwide. You're locked into the House Parks Radio program, Mega Worldwide. So the the languaging on the Twitter files is very, I mean, I I almost feel like they need uh, lightning sound effects behind them because of how Matt Taibbi is trying to polish this piece of dog excrement and turn it into ancient aliens. So uh, number six in in the, the thread says, as soon as they finished banning Trump, Twitter execs started processing new power. I, wouldn't you put their, their new power, right? Because they always had a power. Processing new power. Uh, I don't know. They prepared to ban future presidents and White Houses, perhaps even Joe Biden. The new administration, says one exec, will not be suspended by Twitter unless absolutely necessary. Right. It's that's and that's exactly what happened with Trump. It was absolutely necessary. The dude. And let's let's be abundantly clear. Twitter, parlor, gab. Uh, Telegram, all these sites, WhatsApp, they were all being used in conjunction back and forth, uh, you know, because you had different people on different social media platforms and, and people on WhatsApp who weren't on it at all, who were coordinating the actual attack on January 6th. It wasn't just that they were fomenting this kind of anti-government idea, but that they were using code words lined up with QAnon stuff. That would make them, um, you know, that would let them know where to be on certain days. It wasn't simply that they were just, you know, spreading bad feelings about America. It was literally that they were coordinating their trips with the people who are providing them with transportation, with people talking about what weapons they were going to bring. That People using bigger platforms like Twitter and at that time, Parler, which was the, sort of the king of the right wing heap of oh, social yeah, medias, yeah. to Boy, where did to, that one go? Right. Well, largest uh, you know of the small data dumps. Anyway, seventy terabytes of user data dumped onto the oh, internet because yes, they yes, weren't yes. right. That's where it went. And by the way, Kanye West was going to buy it up until a week ago, and then all of a sudden he can't afford it. Sound familiar? Huh. So this the second thing they post up is a statement by said. Employee, redacted name, redacted picture, only the time, not the date. As stated in our Twitter rules and policies, if it is clear that another account is being used for the purposes of evading a ban, it is also subject to suspension. For government accounts such as POTUS and White House, we will not suspend those accounts, but we'll take action to limit their use. However, Mm. these accounts will be transitioned over to the new administration in due course and will not be suspended by Twitter unless absolutely necessary to alleviate real-world harm. Now, it... um, Taibbi quotes that picture that he has there that I just read you as will not be suspended by Twitter unless absolutely necessary. 
Um, mm-hmm. The rest of that statement is absolutely necessary to alleviate real world harm. That he he leaves that part off. Oh yeah, he leaves off the part to alleviate real world harm on purpose. Because he's crafting a story. Now, we continue. Seven, Twitter executives removed Trump in part over what one executive called the context surrounding actions by Trump and supporters over the course of the election. Frankly, the last four plus years in the end, these are just conversations people are having in the slack. In the end, they they looked at a broad picture, but that approach can cut both ways, it said. I'm working, hi, Vijaya, I'm working with... um, Blank on my team to put together a doc to share with you with a POV from research ours academics with whom we have been working on uh, DJT's language as coded incitement to further violence. That's the primary part, right? Um, In the meantime, here is our quick take. The decision on whether to put that particular tweet or use that as a last straw for Trump depends on many factors, including because they're talking about a particular tweet that led to this, which, by the way, Matt Taibbi does not source. Hmm. He just... You know, leaves it up to the imagination so that, you know, uh, the the idea being that people on the left or Democrats or whatever would recognize the ones he was specifically calling for people to rise up and take their country back. And you have to be strong and all that nonsense, which is exactly like the language he used on the six itself that he's continuing to say in the days after. And then the right will just go. He just said wanted to put America first. Right. So you can fill in the gap with whatever your bias is, and Matt Taibbi is counting on that. Um, and they make the, you know, they talk about in this, and anybody can look at it, just look up Twitter thread if you want to look at the whole context of it. But the, I mean, I, I take that back. You can't look at the whole context because it doesn't exist. You can right. look what, you can look at the evidence he uses, you can look at the context I'm saying about how Matt Taibbi is describing this from his perspective to, again, craft a story. Now, right. the next one, eight, the bulk of the internal debate leading to Trump's ban took place in those three January days. However, the intellectual framework was late in the months preceding the Capitol riots. He just says that. There is no reference to that. There is no link in that one. There is no picture in that tweet. It is simply you have to take him at word. Before Jan 6, Twitter was a unique mix of automated rules-based enforcement and more subjective moderation by senior executives, as Barry Weiss reported, lamely, by the way. Um, The firm had a vast array of tools for manipulating visibility, most of which were thrown at Trump and others pre-J6. Now, he's got and others in parentheses, meaning, by the way, left-wing accounts, Antifa accounts, BLM accounts, um, you know, uh, famous left-wingers that, you know, called on or, you know, or um, were okay with violence or wished harm on somebody who got their accounts suspended. Um, the, it, that's the and others. The important thing, though, is that Trump is the main one. He's the, he's the victim here. As the election approached, senior executives, perhaps under pressure from federal agencies with whom they met more as time progressed. By the way, perhaps under pressure is carrying a lot of weight there. There, He's got access to their slacks. If they felt pressure from federal authorities, they'd have said it there because they would have spread that pressure out because they weren't getting it individually. It wasn't like they're going, Sam, look, you better get people on board and don't tell anyone or we're going to come down on your black. It's black helicopter time. Can we go back time. to you saying that someone has access to their slacks? <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Um, I, I just think it's hilarious that, you know, there's a lot of fidgeting in their slacks. There, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of there's, uh, conspir- there's yes, there's conspiratorial pocket pool going on all throughout this whole thing. As the election, okay, um, <clears throat> increasingly struck and, and it goes uh, more time. Increasingly struggled with rules and began to speak of Vios as pretext um, uh, to what they would like to have done anyway. So some of them hate Trump, thinks he's dis- think he's disgusting, and and that and they're openly talking about that. Others support him or like the trolling aspect of it. And so they want him on there. And so there's conversations about like, look, this guy's been doing this. This didn't come out of nowhere. He's been, he's been fomenting violence against, you know, trans people and gay people and minorities and all this stuff and immigrants this entire time. Now he's attacked the Capitol and it's just going to get worse. Okay. So after January 6th, internal slacks, Quit it, Johnny, quit it. Show Twitter executives in their slacks getting a kick out of intensified relationships with federal agencies. But this is how he says it. Getting a kick out of intensified relationships with federal agencies. Here's trust and safety head Yoel Roth lamenting a lack of generic enough calendar descriptions to conceal his very interesting meeting partners. So it, this is his writing. And so this is take uh you know, in context, or or I guess the lack of context that Taibbi shows in the rest of the conversation where Yol Roth is saying, as it happens, I'm a big believer in calendar transparency, but I reached a certain point where my meetings became very interesting to people and, and there weren't meeting names generic enough to cover. Anyway, let me know. Redacted other stuff. Um, very boring business meeting that is definitely not about <laughs> Trump. Yes. Wink. Yeah. And then he goes, somebody else said that very, uh, very definitely not about Trump wink. And he goes pretty much. And then the next one, he goes, definitely not meeting with the FBI, I swear. And then somebody says LMAO. Um, The idea being is that you can't take from that that Yoel Roth is trying to hide or or run from the idea that they're discussing Trump at all. Even though these are internal slacks, the idea that the rest of the company can see it, they can see it poking through your slacks. So um, including your boss, including Dorsey, including the legal everybody. Right. This is a company. This is they, we're not looking at their WhatsApps. We're not looking at redacted DMs. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Crucial to this. Okay, so number 12. These initial reports are based on searches for docs linked to prominent executives uh, whose names are already public. They include Roth, former trust and uh, policy chief Vijaya Gad, or Gaday, (laughs) and recently plank walked deputy general counsel uh, counsel and former top FBI lawyer Jim Baker. Um, And again, plank walked, whatever. Elon Musk let him go because he was vetting this material he was like why is this guy vetting it and then all of a sudden unvetted some of the docs get out and it gives away jack dorsey's personal email address that's why so number 13 one particular slack channel offers a unique window into the evolving thinking of top officials in late 2020 early 2021 does it now well uh, are we going to see that one particular slack channel in in all of its unexpurgated glory no, we're going to see another photo shot of the same kind of tech speak 
about what does this qualify under? How do we do this? It's the president's account. Can we do it? Should we do it? That's and and then uh, like it just the whole thing is, hey, everyone, starting tomorrow, October 9th until November 15th, this channel will be used for the following reasons related to the U.S. 2020 elections. Trends identified that require special investigations, high profile accounts, escalations that potentially require uh, soft interventions, scalable solutions required, edge cases of XFN consultation, highlight tech issues, bugs, tools, outages, uh, JIRA tickets. This is an enforcement channel between uh TAMP and uh, TWS to help speed up our response related to election issues over the coming weeks. Uh, GET will start providing a handover starting at APAC shift tomorrow. Like this is the kind of stuff every company, every social media company has to do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, but what they're trying to do, I would argue, in number 14 of the current Twitter threads of number three is he is trying to dazzle people with tech speak. Look yeah. at all the technical machinations that go on. This is how everything is talked about there. there. I guarantee there are entire conversations in this Slack about foreign interests using cat videos to supplant, you know, to plant, you know, propaganda or, or you know, human trafficking in, you know, on channels that have heretofore been used for cat videos. I guarantee it. Sure. That there are long trains of Slack conversations about we've had a couple of these accounts that seem innocuous for a long time. And then all of a sudden they wake up and they're involved in crime. And we got to watch out for these kind of things because they build. That's how they build long term accounts that look real. They do this. And the other. I guarantee they've had this. And it all looks like this same kind of tech speak. But what they want is the right wingers and stuff to look at this going, oh, my God, there's like this big tech. So the word the phrase big tech is very important to these idiots. And um, in this particular one, and we got to take a break, but um, there was at least some tension between safety operations, a larger department whose staffers use more rules based approach for addressing things like porn scams and threats and a smaller, more powerful cadre of senior policy execs like Roth and God. Um, the latter group were a high speed Supreme Court of moderation, issuing content rulings on the fly, often in minutes and based on guesses, gut calls, and even Google searches, even in cases involving the president. Now, the reason why there was an upper echelon and it wasn't the rules-based lower ones is because Trump was violating the terms of service for years. The lower group wasn't allowed to kick him to the curb for all the multitude of times we, the rest of us, would have gotten kicked off. Trump could get away with it. So they had to kick it upstairs because he got special dispensation. That's why they, okay, so they cut, they show one exchange where Trump goes breaking, breaking news, 50,000 Ohio voters getting wrong absentee ballots out of control, a rigged election. Somebody writes in the slack, a rigged election would be enough to be a violation, right? And um, and then Yoel Roth says, if the claim of fact were inaccurate, yes. And he goes, but it looks like it's true. 50,000 Ohio voters to receive new absentee ballots after error found. Now, no, the, the rigged election part is the fake part. He was taking real, just normal mistakes and attributing that it was a, a conspiracy to it. That's what made it a violation in those moments around the election right. when Trump said rigged uh, out of control, a rigged election. And the fact that he was president of the United States at that time was what gave it more weight. If you and I said it, nobody cares. We could say a rigged election and people would go, well, you got to take that with a grain of salt. You know, right. who cares? Blue check mark pops off, blah, blah, blah. 
But since it was the president saying it, that's what makes it violative. Anyways, we've got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Park Radio program, mega worldwide. With, uh, my goodness. I know. It's been blitz, blazing by these. Uh, oh, they're so excited with the whole. So excited. Twitter files are so exciting. They're just so. There's bots coming up. We got bots. Yay, bots. Dodson. We got Dodson here. We'll be back after this. Attention, attention, stop what you're doing. Because we're coming back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Oh my God! They went a little crazy with it, and I appreciate it. Now let's get back with Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. One of the big things in this is what Matt Taibbi and and arguably Elon Musk wants Matt Taibbi to take from what he's seeing and what he wants to present to the American people as a curated reality. Because make no mistake about it, that you can see it in the hedging language throughout the Twitter files as they're released, that um, both sides of the political aisle were affected almost evenly by this, but the focus must be on this right-wing grudge. And that is the marching order Elon Musk has given to Matt Taibbi, and Matt Taibbi is marching to that drum. And you can tell by the language and the lack of, he goes, there were obviously on the other side, they ran into this as well, but he shows no r- examples in those circumstances, and he shows no entire you know, chains of documentation in this stuff that shows that balancing act. And even when he does in a picture where it says it, he ignores it in his description. So it's basically pay attention to this part of the message, not to the other parts of the message. Right. It's a it's very distinct. So um, this is from um, bot application B O one A X N four K L O M at sixteen nineteen twenty six. Right, this is the um, <coughs> one of the things in Slack that lets you know somebody is typing on their thing and putting a message into this service um, because they're on one of the client services that gets into Slack. Now, again, <coughs> we are excuse me, we are looking at not a a document of it where you and I could check the metadata of how true it is or when it actually happened, any of that. We are only seeing a chunk of a screenshot, which, by the way, cuts off the bottom of the rest of the message. So even in the context, what they show, and um, and I'll see if I can uh, pop it up on, yeah, here you go. I'll pop it up on the live stream so people can actually see what I'm looking at. in the thing, if, in case they don't want to give Matt Taibbi the clicks. So this says, Yol R has checked in. That's uh, Yol Roth. Here's what they said. So the bot repeats whatever Yol Roth wrote into the Slack. What's okay. new for you since our last check-in? Hack materials exploded. We blocked the New York Post story, NYP. Then we unblocked it and said the opposite. Then we said we unblocked it. So they, they it was just basically a... a, a communication errors, what it, it, you know, and he goes, and now we're in a messy situation where our policy is in shambles because there's no consistency about it. Comms is angry. Reporters think we're idiots and we're refactoring an exceedingly complex policy 18 days out from the election. In short, FML, 
which uh, some of you are familiar yeah. with and we can't repeat on the air. Weekly sync with FBI, DHS, DNI, RE election cert, uh, security, which, by the way, in the description of it, Matt Taibbi says it's the election security thing that he's cops to is about the Hunter Biden laptop. That's what he's saying. He's uh, he's alluding that uh, all the stuff they discuss about election security and how many attacks and all the varying ways that foreign governments and and and. Uh, anarchists and crazy people are trying to attack the U.S. election because um, um, there's a myriad of internal and external forces, at, you know, that they have to deal with. That's why, by the way, FBI and, and DHS and DNI, because FBI deals with stuff inside the country. The meeting happened about 50 minutes uh, after the aforementioned hack materials implosion. The government declined to share anything useful when asked. Monthly meeting with FBI, FITF, briefed on several ongoing investigations, and then it ends there. Hmm. They cut off. Matt Taibbi specifically cuts off the rest of that Slack message. Um, and, uh, and shows it, I guess, twice. Uh, we blocked the MYP story that unblocked it, but said the opposite. Comms as angry reporters think we're idiots. In short, and and he, interestingly enough, repeats that same one two two tweets using the same cutoff picture without furthering the conversation, just referencing it. Now this is a thread. He could have. This is a real razor blade suitcase here. Oh, it, absolutely, and it's uh, it, it's embarrassingly ham-handed. Some of Roth's later slacks indicate his weekly confabs with federal law enforcement involved separate meetings. So what? Here he ghosts the FBI and DHS, respectively, to go to an Aspen Institute thing, then take a call with Apple. So again, if you're making the case, and he is, Matt Taibbi is making the case that the federal government, the FBI, was controlling Twitter, making them behave in a certain way and using Yoel Roth as his primary uh, reference for all this stuff while giving half messages from that stuff. He goes on to show that Yoel Roth blew off meetings with the FBI and DHS. Hey there, I have to miss the FBI and DHS meetings today. Unfortunately, I saw you're on the invites for both as our site policy. Can you give me a quick readout if there's anything interesting that comes up? Sure thing. I hope everything's okay. Yeah, just have a conflicts at both times. An Aspen Institute thing this morning on vaccines that I have to present at. And then a call with Apple to avoid us getting kicked off the App Store during the DHS one. Uh, Ah, those both seem very important, says Patrick Conlon. Um, Indeed. Yeah. It's he's doing practical corporate business that supersedes um, and and is more important than the FBI and DHS election security meetings that he's supposed to have as an executive that's specifically tasked to handle some of this stuff. But and this is, by the way, in the middle of Matt Taibbi trying to um, convince us that the FBI is controlling Twitter at this point. It's just, it's so lame. Yeah. And it all, and none of it goes anywhere. Okay, so here you go. Here, the FBI sends a report about a pair of tweets, the second of which involves a former Tippecanoe County, Indiana counselor and a Republican named John Basham claiming between 2% and 25% of ballots by mail are being rejected for errors. Um, and 
he goes, uh, you have a moment ready. Let's see. This is from there. We got a report from the FBI concerning two tweets in this. I, he goes, I believe we was deemed no vio on numerous educations. So it's uh, or, sorry, occasions. So it stayed up. The FBI's second report um, was. Oh, uh, and Phil's joining us in just a moment. I can hear him in the background. We'll be with us in a second. Uh, the yeah. FBI's report, second report concerned this tweet by uh, John Basham. Uh, which was uh, the Democrats are in complete panic as their massive push for vote by mail is backfiring on them. Two things unfolding. An unexpected number of registered Republicans are returning ballots. <clears throat> and between 2% and 25% of ballots by mail are being rejected for errors. Um, and that was it. That's the one we just saw a reference. The FBI was like, this guy's saying that they're and that 2% and 25% A is a huge range. What's he talking yeah. about? Is he mean in, in, if he's saying in Indiana, that's a lie. If he's saying nationwide, of what what is his standard? He's just making it up that a quarter of ballots are being kicked out, meaning they're fake. It's it's part of a building narrative the Republicans pushed for. They really um, want to be true. And he referenced this that like the same kind of stuff again and again. Like this is the group that decides to apply a learn how sa- voting is safe and secure label because one commenter says it's totally normal to have a 2% error rate Roth then you know, go ahead to process and initiate initiated by the yes, we we'll just use a label that says know the difference between uh, errors and and uh, a, you know a, a strategic attack on the election by democrats or something like it's of course that's what they're going to do i mean it's it is this this just proves that that whether it's in a corporation or a government, the Republicans have no idea or don't care how to run anything that has any responsibility to anyone other than their side. That's the problem. We got to take a break. Uh, but when we come back after the news, um, we will uh, talk to our dear friend Philip Bittner, who's live and in Ukraine right now and is dressed for the weather. I will say that's oh, all I'm going to say. He is dressed for the weather. I can't wait to see. You're listening to the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. I've had people walk out of me before, but not when I was being so charming. Video streaming at HalSparks.com. I don't care for you or for the people like you're trowling out. Plus, face little pimpstick. True progressive talk. Might be a good time for you guys to give up. Welcome back to the show, everybody, and welcome to our dear friend Philip Bittner, who is live in Ukraine right now, wearing, uh, I, I'm going to assume, a, uh, a seized hat from, uh, you know, a, 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 mil- a, a Russian that he's taking. No, he's, it's a, oh, it's a Ukrainian crest on there. And it's uh, you want somebody did some Christmas shopping, I think. And of course, we're live mm-hmm. with uh, Johnny Million at Johnny Million on Twitter. Follow him. Give him some love. Uh, new Convoy record is on the way. I'm just it saying sure that the new year is going to be full of lots more music and fun. I'm just saying then. And it's going to be very upsetting uh, to, to the Kerry Lakes of the world. Uh, meanwhile, and to the Vladimir Putins, who we have to address right out of the gate. Drunk Putin. Um mm. Sauced up Putin, um, your your sure. uh, your your experience watching he was so fill us in. I I could describe it, but I want to hear your take on it. Um, it was beautiful to watch. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been I've been listening to Vladimir Putin speak 
for far too long. Going on 25 years. I know his speech pattern. Uh, yeah, far too long. I know his speech pattern. I know what he sounds like. Uh, he's normally very tight, very reserved, says exactly what he means to, means to say, very precise. But there he is in the Kremlin, in the gilded halls of the Kremlin, and he's got mm-hmm. a glass. It's about three quarters full of champagne, little yeah. crystal uh, glass, stem, uh, stemware. And he's sitting there and he's, and he's not, he's not talking. He's not tight at all. Mm-hmm. He is just—he's yeah. riffing. Eddie. Yeah, he's—he's he's right. telling he's you what he it. really thinks, and yeah. he's talking about how it's okay. We're we're it's okay. We're it's okay. We're bombing the electrical system. Yeah, because they bombed the bridge first, so it's okay. Right, which they didn't, by the way. The, the Russians I mean, have been bombing. The second the, I saw it, the first, the yeah. moment I saw it, I was yeah. like, I cannot. Yeah, no, I mean on its face, that's that's baloney. But yeah. um, I originally saw it on uh, on my social media feed, and and I was like, okay, somebody slowed that down or like has yeah. altered this video because that is him blatantly drunk, and mm. there's no way that the Kremlin would allow that to go out. And then it just unless they don't it, care anymore, more and more of it came out, yeah. and it was like, oh my god, he was drunk. He right. was openly drunk at a, at a function, talking out of his backside, yeah. and um, and they let it get out, and they and it's amazing, it's absolutely amazing. And and and, and the other thing is because I'm on social media with so many Russians, Russian speakers, Ukrainians who mm-hmm. speak perfect Russian, and you know, uh, uh, you know, foreigners, uh, Westerners yeah. uh, who are Russian watchers. Everybody started going, okay, he's drunk. He's yeah, drunk. Yeah. And you may not be able to pick it up if you don't speak Russian. Right. Because it all sounds drunk Putin. and backwards does. Because it's yeah. Those of us who, who speak Russian or who have, yeah, it all sounds like Klingon. The, the, old, yeah, Mila, right. the old Mila Kunis line is that Russian sounds like uh, uh, Klingon to all of her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, yeah. her friends and her husband and her family. Um, right. Uh, so you, you kind of have to have an ear for it. But the second I heard it, I was like, I can't repost that because I don't think he would allow himself to get that drunk at right. public. Well, I, I will say, I think so one of the answers very is, well may be. Well, I'm not going to interpret why he would, I would allow say a, mixture, a video of him clearly intoxicated. Right. I would say a mixture of him being uh, drinking and possibly on pain meds. That seems to be the, you know, the, uh, more of a reality of his circumstance, considering that they are allegedly keep him, keep, keeping him afloat, essentially. And by the way, pardon everybody on the crosstalk because there, there's a delay between me and Philip because he's actually in Ukraine. So we're not talking over each other rudely. We're just trying to catch up and find the gap in everybody's conversation. So that will happen. Just get used to the idea. You know, you know, it's 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 and it changes in depth every time. It's not like a, a Chris Matthews reflex. Anyways, so go ahead, Philip, and um, fill us in on, you know, and finish what your your thought was. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just, well, I, I don't, you know, the, the, the interpret. so the fact that 
the video came out and he's clearly intoxicated mm. um, was a lot sent a lot of people into the whole like spiral of well why what does this mean what is this you know because a world leader rarely does that and certainly not a guy like Putin mm-hmm. so either you know those those who want to see doom and gloom in, in Ukraine are saying he was celebrating so he's he feels so comfortable that he's got an inevitable win in Ukraine that he's uh-huh. he's kicking back and he's he feels comfortable enough to to tie one on um the other side of the equation a lot of people saying he's clearly cracking under the strain but mm-hmm. then you know you you also bring up a very good point in that you know he he might have just not because he's on pain meds not have his tolerance for alcohol may have changed right um Regardless, what I find really weird is the fact that the Kremlin would let that circulate. Um, so I, I don't know. But one way or the other, it was a very, very odd appearance, by, uh, especially since right. Putin came into power saying, I'll never let another drunken stooge like Yeltsin Take right. the reins of power in Ukraine. Right. Or in, right. in Ukraine. Oops, and, there's a slip. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, it's um, kind of true. In Russia, his his whole thing was, I will I will never embarrass the country. Yeah. Well, and also, uh, maybe he was just celebrating okay. the, the mall fire. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the, the only reason. Because if uh, people weren't following on that, um, this g- ginormous mall burns to the ground like... The, the size of, you know, uh, it like uh, it was like 75,000 um, mm. square feet, like this huge apartment block, essentially an entire block burns to the ground um, in Moscow. Not to mention that the U.S. has basically mm. given tacit approval because the Russians are attacking infrastructure that if they want to use drones that they've got on their own or that they built on their own to attack uh, inside Russia, that's on them. We're, they just can't do it with our HIMARS is all. And we're not going to give them stuff to do it. But if, you know, but the rest is their decision to make. We're not telling them what not to strike. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's important to make the distinction that the, the, the DOD and the State Department have said we don't, it's very specific. We don't mind if you do it. Just don't use our stuff to do it, because right. then we feel that that will be crossing a red line with the Russians, and they mm-hmm. will feel legitimate in attacking, in retaliating directly against uh, NATO, and we don't want that. So they're making a very clear distinction. They're doing it very publicly. Blinken came out and said it to the cameras in a press conference. So there's no there's no confusion. That's this is a sovereign Ukraine's decision to attack mm-hmm. internally within Russia, but it's got nothing to do with us. Right. And I um, think that was also, smart. Yeah, very much so. And, and it kind of removes that whole like puppet. We're pulling the strings thing is basically saying, you know, we've been while we're supplying you with this stuff, we're kind of in for a penny in for a pound to some degree. And since the Russians have decided that 92 percent of the things they're going to be sending into Ukraine at this point, as far as bombing are going to be civilian infrastructure, water systems, electrical systems and all that kind of stuff, then it's kind of unfair of us to say. But over that border is unfair. Like you can't cross that border, which is right, you know, tens of miles, if not 50 feet past you. Um, if that's, you know, that that's your decision. Um, I also, before we get to the break, uh, which is coming up, I want to address something because I 
I, you know, you and I both follow a lot of these, uh, um, the, these channels on Telegram and others from, you know, inside Russia that kind of, you know, and you've got intel on the ground there or whatever. But I saw some stuff very specifically that I wanted to address with you. I'm sure you've seen that are extraordinary. Um, and, you know, and again, if true, you've got to, you know, always factor that in. But they're enormous. One is the Noah's Ark story, which is that Putin is planning a bug out. And the other one is about the effectiveness or the viability of 87 percent of the nuclear arsenal in Russia right now. The mess and that that stuff. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, I want to read some of that and then get your take on it as well and see what you've heard on the, uh, you know, from there on it. So we'll be back right after this. It's the House Marks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. I know I'm only on one day a week. I get it. I'm going to have to jump on uh, GarageBand and start sawing something together. This is the house bar show. And then a guitar note. And then progressive. And all that. Yeah, it's going to be good. Hey, how? Did you mean something like this? This is the house bar show. And then a guitar note. And then progressive. And all that. Yeah, it's going to be good. The House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. Don't forget to follow Philip Itner on Twitter for as long as it lasts until it cadavers. Um, at Philip Itner, a one L in Philip, because he, he's just cool like that, and two T's in Itner because he can afford them. Um, I'm at House Parks. Wow. wow. At I can't Mellon. believe you almost what? made me say that out loud. Someone in chat says you look lovely in that hat. Oh, yeah, the name is uh, very sneakily obscene. Yamas All right. Ida. Obviously, it's a fetish account, and we won't be quoting it anymore during this adult slash family right, show. Done. All right. Now, um, uh, so there's a um, there were two stories that popped out to me in this stuff because I go you know, through it and a lot of it we'll see, you know, like we were talking about earlier that Kiev, uh, you know, is is basically, you know, said you know that like the the americans and and nato commanders have commit have clarified their position that they can strike with their own stuff all they want if they buy munitions or or what have you or they even develop their own yeah they're allowed to do it in in the same way that they did it with the water drones to hit the crimean bridge which is part of Mm -hmm. the fear point which brings me to this piece so there was um in following in the footsteps of uh, one of his heroes, uh, Adolf Hitler, apparently Putin uh. is planning a bug out in, in, uh, called Project Noah's Ark. And he's got um, initially there are several locations where there if things really hit the fan in Russia and he's got to leave so he can enjoy his 200 billion dollars in relative peace like Pol Pot or something the rest of his life. He's he one group. Um, Kovalchuk is supposed to lead this uh, check out. He was sent to check out China as a possible place where they could go to probably the Russian parts where the border is and that, you know, there are Russians, ethnic Russians who are on the Chinese border who are technically Chinese who live in Russian communities otherwise. But on the border of, of Russia, Latin America, Argentina specifically, which is where the Nazis uh, went after World War II, where they were going to bug out to. Those, of course, that didn't go of, go to the Antarctica and, and go into hollow earth, I suppose, and preserve Hitler's brain in a jar, if you like that storyline. But that was run by um, a, uh, a guy named Sechin. 
And then uh, Yuri Kirillin was the, the, the right-hand head of Rosneft, is directly involved in on-site work to figure out how they do it. He's an American citizen. He's got good connections with BP and others. So he's there are ships they could get in, apparently, that would take them to these places, uh, I guess, protect, dressed, you know, hidden in oil drums or something. That's the Noah's Ark project. Um, and then the uh, and well, let's talk about that for a second, that they're already apparently prepping for that. Maybe that's why Putin was liquored up. Well, and, and again, yet another story that seems to have been leaked out of the Kremlin itself. I mean, that, the place yes. has become an absolute sieve and it's right. not been like it's not been like that. So things are to say what you want, but. Things are clearly not going well internally right. within the Kremlin because all of this stuff would never have come out into the light of day, five, you know, three, five years ago even. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's they're, they're, Clearly, folks inside the Kremlin are freaking out. Uh, otherwise, mm-hmm. they, wouldn't be leaking, they wouldn't be leaking like this. Now, the idea that Putin could – you know, feign his feign his death because you're going right. to have to. You can't have. You can't just get on a boat and go, because mm-hmm. the entire world will come looking for you. And right. wherever place you go and hide at, if it's known that you're still alive, they're going to be under pressure for you know as long as to turn you alive, over, sort of thing. To turn right. you over. That's right. So he's going to have to do this either in some form of high secrecy, or he's going to have to feign his death. Um, yeah, or sneak out of the country wearing Edward Snowden's face as a like Hannibal right, Lecter. That, that Jim Pembry, talk to him, damn it. Um, right. So uh, that, I think you're absolutely right that it has to be. There would have to be some greater plan beyond that. You know, pretend that you were covered in petrol and set on fire, <laughs> as it were. You know, if you're if you're uh, planning that. Um, but that Did is. Not- yeah. Go ahead. No, I was. I, 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 I gotta say, did I ever tell you my Hitler's skull story? I think I may have. Uh, no, but you have to now. Yeah, you can't no, just yeah. bring now up that your I Hitler's story. Right? My, I, did I have a Hitler's skull story? Yeah. Uh, another weird twist in my time in Russia was uh, they they claim to have the fragment of Hitler's uh, skull that has the bullet from him blowing his brains out. And wow. And, uh, in the late 90s, for some reason, I'm trying to remember what it was, but they trotted it out, and you could go and look at it. And it was surreal beyond belief that you right. go in. I, I was ushered into a room. We all were. I mean, this was open to the public. Mm-hmm. And there was a, there's a single stand in the middle of a room, you mm-hmm. know, not an enormous room, but, you know, like a – like a living room sized place with you know right. lighting, but the only thing was a glass case on a on a pedestal in the middle of the room with this little acrylic stand where there was a fra- a brown fragment with a, a very circular hole almost it looked more drilled than blasted mm-hmm. uh, and they said that's Hitler's brain, and that was their way of that was their way of of kind of reminding the world that it was the Soviets who stumbled across uh, Adolf Hitler's body and that you know, there was nothing to this conspiracy See, I'm, theory. That, I'm, uh, I'm disappointed that I'm disappointed that they didn't have it, have put a handle on it, yeah. and use it as a mug, and that's how they determine who will be the new ruler. Is that you drink, uh, you know, a large beverage well, out it's, of, uh, it's, of Hitler's skull? Yeah. 
Well, it's the old Dead Kennedy song, is you know, don't forget to try our tricky dicky screwdriver. It's one part uh, purple Kool Aid, two parts uh, gin, and a jigger from aldehyde from the jar with Hitler's brain we've got in the back room. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Good old These, Dead Kennedys. <laughs> that's right. Um, so the other story I wanted to bring up as well, not to get um, off the point. Sorry, Go no, ahead. not at all. No, it's it's. Uh, that, uh, believe me, there are there are a lot of parallels between. Hitler and Putin these days, and yeah. they're the exact opposite of how our, uh, you know, our, our progressive uh, friends um, tend to paint friends. it in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the other one was this is on Friday, December second. Russian President Vladimir Putin held an operational media uh, meeting via video link with the permanent members of the Russian Security Council. We've already said that after the main part of the meeting in a closed format, we discussed the report of Security Council Nikolai Petrushev, which reported problems with the ability to use 87 percent of Russia's nuclear missile weapons, um, which they were unviable. They are basically just radioactive garbage, 87 percent, which means the other 13 percent are tip top, I'm sure. They're not missing parts or anything like that's just the ones you can eyeball, apparently, and tell they're never going to fly. So but there was another report of a rather large discussion regarding a second topic from the same report. Petrushev reported that according to available information, the Crimean bridge could be completely disabled in the next two months, allegedly with the support of the Anglo-Saxons, meaning the Brits. Using the latest weapons of the armed forces of Ukraine, and I think they're saying that because of that water drone, because they used mm-hmm. some British parts to make the water drone. I think that's why they say with the help of the Anglo-Saxons. The armed forces of Ukraine, they are preparing to strike two or more pillars of the Crimean bridge, damaging the supporting parts. According to the experts who got acquainted with the details provided by the intelligence and compiled a summary for the report to the president. If such a plan of attack on the Crimean bridge is implemented, the restoration of the bridge will take at least six months. In the process of discussing this topic, almost all the participants in the meeting expressed the opinion that the destruction of the Crimean bridge would make it impossible for Russia to hold Crimea and the occupied territories of Kherson, Zaporizhia, and part of the Donetsk region of Ukraine by military means. Putin said that in any case, he considers it necessary to continue massive missile strikes on Ukrainian energy infrastructure facilities and thus force the Ukrainian leadership to negotiate. Putin insists on the need to, quote, arrange holidays in the dark for Ukraine. That is to increase the strikes on the Catholic Christmas in the western Ukraine and for the new year throughout Ukraine. Despite the president's demands, several participants in the meeting expressed doubts about such tactics, which caused Putin's displeasure. At the end of the meeting, Putin announced he was waiting for proposals on possible options for actions in the event of a strike on the Crimean Bridge and closed the meeting. In the near future, Crimea may be cut off from transport links to Russia and ferry crossings will be used exclusively for military purposes. So the evacuation of the military population will be practically impossible. That's from internal uh, meetings in Russia regarding this. And by the way, the source for that, which is one of these telegram channels, which is, you know, part of this whisperer campaign, has been right previously multiple times in Putin's reaction to things in Russian plans. It's, the, bridge it's, is, the, the bridge is a mess. The bridge is an absolute right. mess, despite the fact that he just drove a Mercedes uh, SUV right. across it to show that it had just been restored. But the bridge has always been a mess, and the bridge is going to continue to be a mess. It's right. falling into the sea because, the uh, you know, again, I spoke to a Navy sea, uh, a military attache in Kiev uh, to the mm-hmm. embassy here uh, who straight up told me that we sent Navy SEAL uh, divers down there years ago. Years before this conflict, 
and that we mm -hmm. were aware that the thing is sinking into the silt of the Kerch Strait. Uh, it's the reason why right. nobody – they have tried repeatedly to build a, a bridge across the Kerch Strait. Uh, the Germans tried it in the Second World War so that they could get an easier route, route into Stalingrad. Um, right. uh, but it's, it's impossible. You can't – with the current technologies that we have, you cannot yeah. build a bridge across the Kerch Strait because it's all silt. It's mm. just – you know, depths and right. depths of silt. You can't build That's on it, so delicious. it's falling into the it's falling into the sea, no matter what. It, and it sank into the swamp. So I built another one. It sank into the swamp. I built a third one. It burned down, fell over, and then sank into the swamp. But the fourth one stayed up. <laughs> yeah, we're wasting time. We're, we're getting on these tangents. We're, we're making ourselves I, no, chuckle. This is Look, time. I'm looking right. at I'm, I'm looking at the clock, and there's so much to talk about. I, we yeah, got it right. also. We also got to talk about Ilya Yeshin. We got to talk about. There's so much to talk about. Anyhow, but the, yes. the bridge. The, we got to talk about Bakhmut. Uh, yes. The bridge is, is the bridge is a failed uh, project. It's going to be a failed project no matter what. Right. Uh, the fact that it could be expedient, it, it could be hastened in falling into the sea by uh, Ukrainians using their sea drones. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's advantageous for the Ukrainians because they're right in the middle of a war. They can't wait for the natural order of things for the bridge to fall into the silt. So they might very mm -hmm. well do that. Now, if indeed they do that, Putin's absolutely right. It's Crimea will be unsustainable, uh, right. especially especially if things in the east of the country. And maybe this is a natural uh, segue into talking about Bakhmut. But before yes. we move off from, from the bridge, Putin's right. If, if the bridge is inaccessible um, and priority will be given to the military, if it looks like uh, the thing is going to is under. Hence serious. why they're getting people out of there now. That's, That's right. That, you know, makes total sense why they've been evacuating right. people currently because they know eventually that will be the right. only conduit. We got to take a break. You were absolutely right. When we come back, yep. we're going to talk about Bakhmut and this obsession and the Wagner Group, uh, you know, attempting yeah. to take but it. We and also got to talk about Yeah, We got yes, to talk about Ishin. Ishin. We'll be back. Okay. After we come back uh, with Philip Itner, uh, follow him on Twitter. And then, of course, uh, watch his uh, vlogs on YouTube as well by uh, following the links on there. We'll be back right after this. This is Damian Perdue of Think Theory Radio, Saturdays at 6 p.m. You're listening to Hal Sparks' radio program, Mega Worldwide. Ah, uh, I thought there was going to be like a new one every break. I was so excited. You want more, Hal? We'll give you more. Hal Sparks' radio program, Mega Worldwide, on Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCBT 820. Hoo-yah! Welcome back. So um, there is uh, all right. There, I mean, there's so much to cover. Bakhmut has been this obsession by uh, the the Wagner group, especially. They've been throwing people after people after people after people trying to seize this particular territory um, for a while. Um, give us your update on it. And I, I obviously know my take, but I want to hear what's going on over there in terms of that. Right now, well, I mean, there's there's a lot to Bakhmut, and yes. um, I mean, Zelensky said that uh, in essence the place has been leveled, um, and there does yes. seem to be an obsession that the Russians have about Bakhmut, and it's it's weird. A lot of commentators and a lot of Ukrainian uh, strategical thinkers are saying there, you know, Bakhmut is not essential. There are alternative. The, the idea is that Bakhmut would would sever their supply lines, the Ukrainians, mm -hmm. and that's why the Russians are obsessed with it. But the Ukrainians and say, no, that's not the case, because 
We have alternate road systems out. You have to understand that the east of the country, there are a lot of road systems, which the rest of the country doesn't have. But there's a, a network of roadways out east that, that is kind of unique to that part of the country. Right. Uh, so the, the Ukrainians say, no, we don't have to have Bakhmut. The only reason we're staying and fighting for Bakhmut is because you guys keep thin- sending waves upon waves of soldiers trying to capture this town because you think it'll be so strategically important. Mm-hmm. And all we, all we have to do is hold our lines and just wipe you out, much like they did in Mariupol, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, holding on to Mariupol kept them pinned down for, you know, months, basically, and let the rest of the country prepare for when, you know, the inevitable fall would happen. So even if the Russians do take Bakhmut, the Ukrainians are saying we have alternatives, and all you've done is wasted a lot of it. You've expended a lot of men and material trying to take it. There's an argument that is being made that is because it is the Wagner group that is taking the the lead in the attack on Bakhmut, that this is uh, uh, Prigozhin, who is the head of, of the Wagner group, um, mm-hmm. named after, by the way, the, the German composer uh, who was uh, subsequently used by the Nazis. So who are your Nazis, guys? Um, <laughs> right. uh, anyhow, the Wagner, the Wagner group. This may be a way for Prigozhin to show that the Wagner group is a viable and useful part of the Russian military and that it, it, it will be like a victory. It'll be a, a trophy that he can then take back to Putin and say, look, we're, we are really effective. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it, it's not going to be a significant uh, change in, in what the Ukrainians can do in terms of their supply route. I mean, obviously, um, you know, uh, Russian successes mm-hmm. in the Donbass. Uh, nobody in Ukraine wants to see that happen, but it's Bakhmut has turned into this just absolute grind. You know, this meat grinder. Right. And it, for what we don't we don't really know for what. Uh, right. So Bakhmut, but there's there's in the last 24 hours, there's discussion that maybe the Russians are actually about to seize it. I saw a. a uh, eyewitness on the ground uh, posting video today uh, that it was still in Bakhmut on the Ukrainian mm-hmm. side. So, you know, who knows? But the right. battle of Bakhmut seems to be the one, the thing that's taking uh, a lot of focus uh, when it comes to the actual war fighting going on here. So we will keep an eye on it. Uh, but uh, it's it's one of those things where uh, the right. Russians just uh, insist on trying to take it, and they're just sending. I, I also spoke to a security analyst, or not a security analyst, a security um, uh, a guy hired to to provide security uh, for mm-hmm. NGOs and journalists right. and stuff like that. And he had been in Bakhmut, and I spoke to him about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and he said he'd never seen anything like it. That the that the that the, the, the Russians would just send wave upon wave upon wave of soldiers at these positions and all they had to do was just drop artillery and they just, it's so weird. Well, and again, um, there was this idea that bad. There was this, there was this idea that, uh, the, you know, the Wagner group was like getting paid by the land seized, but they didn't get, have to give the money back if they lost the land. So it was just like this Pez dispenser where they, yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, it's what, what a terrible notion that they would just like send these guys in to get killed Claim it, send, you know, tell Moscow, like, we got this, and then fall back 
and then claim it again and go, oh, we lost it because they were bombing, but we got it back and then get paid again. Like yeah. at the and, well, this and is a lot of it, is, you know, Prigozhin is wow. the guy who went Prigozhin is the guy who went to all the Russian prisons. And, you know, emptied a whole bunch of prisons and, right. and you know, adopted them into the Wagner group. Uh, you know, so they don't mind if those guys get, get killed. They, you know, not that they would care if they were normal conscripts either. But, I mean, there's a lot of talk. Have you heard about the, the, the discussion that there's a lot of um, friendly fire or what we call blue on blue now? In the Russian ranks, because of all these conscripts and because of all the guys that have been mobilized who are using things like artillery and they don't right. know how to properly range it, so they end up attacking one another. I mean, the whole the, – the, the Russian side is – is a mess in so many different ways. Well, you, you heard about it, the Russian Rambo, right? The guy who was just – like he literally was conscripted. This is guy who was conscripted, and then he was sent to the front lines, and then he got separated from the Wagner group that he was with because they bugged out and left him. So he decided to just walk. He was trying to find some place to be. Yes. Didn't know he was back in Russia. Saw some police officers, thought they were Ukrainian, and opened fire on them. Now he's on trial for murdering police officers. And his defense is, I didn't even know where I was. Yeah, um, a mess. Like, that, that it's, uh, I mean, it's... That is, I mean, that's the currency. I mean, you'd be drunk too, I suppose, if you yeah. ran that organization. Well, and, and and there's your and there's our segue talking about trials to talk about Ilya yeah. uh, Yeshin. Right. <laughs> I'll take so, a segue any way I can that, find it. Absolutely. So, um, and, and explain who he is, um, uh, and and then like tr Putin literally today was like, "Who?" Um, yeah. When somebody asked him about it. Yeah, but go ahead. well, he feigned. He probably feigned. He knows exactly right. who Ilya Yashin is. Ilya Yashin is an opposition. He's a opposition uh, politician who dared to uh, condemn the Russian military's actions in Bucha at the beginning of the war, and he right. and he said those guys acted. Um, you know, they brought they they were war criminals and uh, our soldiers are not acting honorably. And of course, you can't say stuff like that in Russia. So he um, just I believe it was yesterday uh, was sentenced to eight and a half years in prison for saying that the massacre of Bucha was a bad thing. This is the difference between the yeah. Ukrainian and the Russian side. So don't you mm -hmm. dare tell me that it's the same mm -hmm. thing because we have vloggers and we got we got this guy out in uh, in Kharkiv, this you know vlogger who who's out there who is openly saying that the you know the Zelensky regime is a criminal regime and should be deposed and is very pro Putin. They they held it, they detained him for a few days, but ultimately they they let him go. They they do not arrest people for for exercising their freedom of speech in in right. Ukraine. They they only arrested the Russia. people who were puppets. They were all, like they'll if they found out they're getting yeah. messaging from Russia to, and and yeah, purveying that inside the country. But you can still have a crap uh, attitude and still stay in the country. It's a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you are if you are actively putting out propaganda and if you are like what happened in the churches recently, the Russian Orthodox Church is still very strong here and they're very pro Kremlin. And there were raids mm -hmm. that, of course, a lot of people went crazy about about, oh, Zelensky is cracking down on the religion now. No, it's because those priests were openly 
supporting and giving support to pro-Russian movements within Ukraine. They were right. hiding flags. They were hiding money. They were hiding propaganda Yeah, they were materially involved in the given actual to conflict them, right, as, given as opposed to, to just ideas. Can, right. You can spout whatever you want on YouTube or TikTok mm -hmm. or whatever else. Put out whatever – Whatever you want to say, you're you are able to say it in Ukraine, with obviously some limitations. You can't yeah. shout, you know, the old fire in a, th a crowded theater, yeah, sort yeah. of thing. But you know, there's there's restrictions, but by and large, you are able to speak your mind. Ilya Yeshin spoke his mind in Russia, and he's going to be in a Russian prison for eight and a half years. The same thing with another opposition politician, Vladimir Karamuza. Um, mm -hmm. he, all they did was speak their mind, but you cannot, there's a law in Russia, you cannot speak out against the special military operation. And that, to my mind, is a clear indication of the difference between the two sizes, two, mm -hmm. between the two sides. So I, I don't, I don't support this idea that, oh, it's, you know, they're both the same. They're not both the same. <laughs> well, all. that's the, that's, I mean, that's uh, both siderism is the, yeah. you know, is the cowardly fallback on a lot of these things and, and creating, actively creating a, a, a both siderism where none exists by playing down the, the villainy of one side and playing up the villainy of the other and trying to create this balance artificially in, in your picking and choosing and in the ramifications of that. You know, it goes to the whole difference between like, um, Japanese internment camps in the United States, which were wrong around World War II, and we learned our lesson from, and we did not kill anyone in that process. Although I would argue people were allowed to die in certain situations because they were denied um, right. medical care and those kind of things, which is exactly why it was bad and exactly why ne we have a never again policy about that kind of thing. And by the way, was a plot line in the Karate Kid for the for the record, his own yeah. wife and son died in complications at birth because they were interned. Mm -hmm. That, you know, Miyagi's uh, family, that was the they told that story. We do that. We're OK with that in the United States. You can put that in and remind us of how we did wrong and we need to do better all the time. Right. That is a constant thing. Right. Whereas, you know what I mean? Whereas there is no as a matter of fact, if you put something like that or equivalent of that in a Russian film, you'll go to jail. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you know, I, the, there's so much to talk about, and I I, I want to hit on yeah. so much of it. And I know that the the guys uh, in chat will be giving us really good questions when we yes. come back from the next break. But just I to quickly them. squeeze one more thing in here, yeah, when you talk about freedom yeah. of speech and and like facing the the ugly past that we have to come to terms mm -hmm. with that yeah. Russia will never do, and it's a, a a large part of why they're fighting this war. I think is that they don't ever want to have to look in the mirror. And so as long as they're an empire or as long as they see enemies behind every tree, because, of course, they're always being besieged, they don't have to look internally. I think there's a huge psychological part of why this war is happening. But I just saw today this really disturbing video by these mm -hmm. teachers out in the Far East uh, in Russia saying, our soldiers who are fighting the good fight in Ukraine, don't worry. Um, when you come back, you know, we'll take care of your kids uh, while you're away fighting the good fight and we'll teach them the right history. Don't you worry about that. We won't teach them the bad history like what's being right. taught to children in Ukraine. We will make sure that your children are taught the correct history. It's the and, same thing the, the Republicans are doing in Florida. 
That's the whole yeah. point. Like, yeah. it, you, yeah. it, you know, it's this idea that it, your country's only good if you only pay attention to the good things that it's done. And and then again, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And the, uh, the yeah. funny thing is they're intentionally ignoring the parts that you don't want to be doomed to repeat. You're ignorant about the bad stuff. Then you are. That's the stuff you're going to go. Well, we're. You know, we're always right, so therefore we can do whatever the hell we want. And the same thing is true, with, you know, with how, you know, DeSantis and that crowd are trying to talk about American history. That, you know, the Russians want to create this context where their own people will eventually go, well, I mean, we've never done anything wrong. So if we occasionally mm. have to do something terrible to protect our way of life because right. we're so good and we're so lovely, it's totally justified when it isn't. That's the whole point. Um but then, you know, let's take a break because we're right at that point or whatever. We'll take questions on the other side. And I'm sure part of what you're, you know, you want to bring up as well will break, be, will come up in that. I hope so. Uh, as well. So I we'll be back so. right after this. Yep. More questions. Uh, too from, much. And yes, more show and tell for those people who are watching online. Oh, great. <laughs> Very exciting. Might even have a post show couple of minutes that don't involve kittens today. We'll, we'll be back right after this. I'm out. I am happy, you are happy, let us be happy together, whether the weather is cloudy or sunny. I will always be a funny honey bunny, I am lucky, you are lucky, let us get lucky together, whether the weather is cloudy or breezy. I'll be there to say, hey, come on, let's take it easy, because isn't it nice to have the friends that you do, and isn't it nice that the sky is so blue, and isn't it nice to say I love you, chugga chugga choo choo, woo I am smiling, you are smiling, let us smile together, whether the weather is cloudy or stormy, I will still be there in the morning, I'll be right by your side in the morning, I'll make you breakfast in the morning, I hope that you like cereal. Yay! Yay! So, uh, well, I, I, I have a green screen glove, so I was able to make a flying patron uh, dog shot. Um, which is, I mean, by the way, Adorable. always fun. So, um, uh, yeah, if you missed the show and tell, check out the live stream at uh, infotainmentwars.com. We don't need the documents. We have it all memorized. And, of course, uh, twitch.tv slash Sparks. Subscribe today if you have Amazon Prime. It doesn't cost you a dime, and it really helps the show, and it keeps me on the air because this is the gig now. And, um, yes, and, and uh, Philip is showing um, Chris, uh, Ukrainian Christmas ornaments, including a bomb sniffing like dog. Standing behind a newscaster. Yes, right. <laughs> so, um, questions. Yes. Uh, All right, so here's a go question. Ahead. Be yep. pragmatic. Great name. What are mm -hmm. the Ukrainians doing with the POWs? I mean, they're 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 holding them in prison camps. Um, mm -hmm. They are uh, they are trading them. They're trying to probably not tickling them. No, not so much. Um, look, prisoner, the treatment of the Ukrainian treatment of Russian prisoners is actually one of the things that I am critical of um, uh, because they've also topic, done things. They, they've also done things like, um, you know, have them call their loved ones on speaker phones. And the Ukrainians are like, we have your your loved one. We have your soldier. Is there, you know, you know, how do you justify? You listen to what your own soldiers is telling you about how things are going. And I'm not cool with that. Right. Um, and, and then additionally, they do things like they will interview them on camera and then they will put that that interviewed material, which is against the Geneva Convention. You're not supposed to uh, use prisoners mm -hmm. of war for propaganda. Um 
I'm not cool with any of that. I don't. I don't look at Ukraine Agreed. with rose-tinted glasses. Um, mm-hmm. I will be critical of, of Ukraine when I feel it's appropriate, and I think it's appropriate in that case. Having mm-hmm. said that, of all the crimes that have been committed in the in the world in, in this war so far, um, comparing the massacre of Bucho or bombing the 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 theater in Mariupol, killing hundreds of children, and compare yeah. that with putting a video out of a of a disheveled Russian soldier saying. I feel bad about the war um, in the grand yeah, scheme of things. And it is a sliding, sliding scale. scale. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm less perturbed. And also look, I am not as much as I'm not going to put rose tinted glasses on. I'm also not going to put my, myself in the place of the Ukrainians who are fighting an existential mm-hmm. war. So I'm not right. crazy about it. I'm not cool with it, but that's kind of what they're doing with the prisoners of war. But they're also, you know, but they also do have prisoners of war camps, and they are they're mm-hmm. feeding them and clothing them. They are not they right. are not physically mistreating them. There's no evidence of that. There's no reports of that. They're, I'm sure they are that they're warmer and have more provisions than the than probably the ones they on the front do in line. the trenches. That's right, right, a hundred percent. Yes, um, uh, and then they exchange them for their own soldiers. That's. Anyhow, that's that's what they're doing with POWs. Let me right. and also let me let me explain something to to people to make them understand that in in modern society and in a functioning country, one of the how you treat your POWs is actually in and of itself a defense decision because it is something you can show off and say we are better than the people attacking us and it helps you not just in, you know, if, if people die in your care or they're mistreated or summarily executed, look at what happened in Armenia and Azerbaijan, for example. Like it threw that whole um, situation into muck almost immediately because that video came out of them, you know, shooting um, prisoners of war yeah. that uh, effectively any goodwill that they had had about being attacked was totally destroyed in that instance with just that thing so it is it it's strategically smart beyond even if you you might even have the notion where you would want to attack or because you feel hate towards these people for what they've done to your country on top of that though you know, it it has they have more value alive, healthy and able to be returned home, both as you know, you can trade them for other people. And also because you can point out to the world that you're you're being decent in an, in an indecent situation. Um, yeah, you Julia, have Julia, you Davies, Julia Davies put up put a thing about uh, that on Russian media monitor uh, this week about the Russians themselves bringing that point up and being like, you know, let's not spread this idea of we're going to take no prisoners because the Ukrainians will do the same thing to us. So mm-hmm. it's 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 it is absolutely a discussion being had on both sides, but right. yeah, let's move on to the next question. Yeah, sure. Um, Nick Rich wants to know how your uh, schedule lineup is going. Good. I did a couple of. I, I, of course, now I'm doing uh, the Tom Hartman show regularly on Thursdays. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe we're we're set for twelve Eastern. Uh, moving forward, uh, so I'll do mm-hmm. a little top of the top of the uh, hour segment with Tom uh, weekly on Thursdays. Uh, I did a couple of podcasts, but you know, look, I mean, I still, you know, I'm still looking to expand my voice because, yeah. and I and I look, I, I I today when I was out shopping, uh, Chris, mm-hmm. doing my Christmas shopping, I stopped in at the Intercontinental Hotel um, to get a, a cup of mm-hmm. you know get some coffee. Uh, get out of the cold before I went right. down to the open air market um, I- I below uh, St. Andrew's Church, which is beautiful. Uh, There's a wonderful open air market down there. 
but it's cold. So I went to go get coffee. And the Intercontinental Hotel is where a lot of the foreign press is based. And it just reminded me, I walked in there and everything was beautiful and all the, there were trees and the Christmas decorations and it was mm-hmm. warm. People were sitting around having a beer and coffees and chatting and it was very, very pleasant and lovely. But they're not living the street level of, of living with the Ukrainians, which is what I'm doing. Now they are doing a very important role. I'm not going to disparage my colleagues in the foreign press corps, especially the ones who are here with boots on the ground, but they fly in and they fly out. And when they're not on the front lines or when they're not at refugee camps or when they're not, you know, going out and doing their, their reporting, they live in a pretty rarefied air of the intercontinental hotel. They don't know what it's like to go from day to day living amongst the Ukrainians. And I do. Um, that's if mm-hmm. you remember this, how the very, very beginning of this entire war, yes. I said to you that I intended to do things very differently than what the press corps was going to do. Cause I, I yeah. look, I'm a veteran of broadcast news, three decades in broadcast news. I knew exactly what they were going to do. They were going to go mm-hmm. seek out the sexy stuff, the stuff mm-hmm. that was going to get eyeballs on. So sure. they could get clicks, clicks and ratings. And I knew they were going to do that. And I'm not even disparaging it because somebody does have to be out there doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I have arguments about the way but it's all of them don't have the to. format. All of them don't have to. And in addition right. to that, at the very beginning of the war, I told you my intention was to be off the front lines, living with the Ukrainians, um, speaking with Ukrainians, living uh, in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. To give the context, to give the depth of understanding of what this conflict is really all about and how these people are living through this conflict. So when I say that I want to get on more podcasts and I want to spread my message further and farther, it is not simply to to feed my enormous ego. Mm -hmm. But I take that personally every time you say that. I really do think I have a perspective. (laughs) <laughs> I feel seen. Uh, <laughs> Is I think I have a perspective. Uh, yeah. Okay, are you in the post no. program for that? Um, uh, yeah, right. Tell yeah. me about your mother. Uh, so look, uh, I, I'm, I'm just I'm 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 so happy with what yes. the sparklers have done, and I'm so happy with what people have done on my behalf to spread my best. But I I don't want right. to let off. No, we'll on keep the gas at it. We're going to keep at it because there there mm-hmm. aren't many of us. There aren't yes. many of us out here. I know a handful of people who are not Ukraine. Now, look, there are also Ukrainians mm-hmm. doing this, and they come at it from a unique perspective as, as well because they are Ukrainians. Right. And so they have an insight that I can't deliver. But I am a foreigner mm-hmm. who has a long history in this country living amongst the Ukrainians, and I, and I think that perspective has worth, and I want to spread – I want to get a large uh, – careful, Johnny. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. get a larger audience. I Okay. So let's okay. not let off on the gas, folks. I will not talk at all. To, we got three minutes left. To podcasters with yeah. the smallest or the biggest. Yeah, another question. Another yeah. question. And sure, yeah. Quasar wants to know. Um, they wanted me to ask about Victor Bout returning to Russia and what Putin's plan might be with him. I mean, Victor Boot is a bad guy. Uh, Victor Boot, uh, we've talked about this. I wasn't crazy about Victor Boot being uh, released, but I, I knew that Greiner had uh, she, she had to get out of there. Um, yeah. And then the whole the discussion about Whelan and, and Fogel, um, you know, they're very, very, it's a, look, it's a very complex thing. 
Um, I'm happy she's free. I really am because she was she was set to die in in that prison if they mm-hmm. wanted to kill her. Um, so I'm glad she's out. Um, I think Whelan should get out as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And Fogel. Um, but Boot is a bad, bad guy. Could the Russians use him in in order to gain more weaponry? Because that was his area of expertise. He was an arms dealer. Yes, I do believe that the, he still has viable contacts within that world. And he probably knows where a lot of the bodies are buried and he can I- exert his influence. So I, I do not think it is simply he was let go. I, I think that also the Russians do have a, a, a an intention of using him uh, to fight this war. Uh, he has openly said that he would, if it wasn't for his age and physical condition or whether he'd go and fight. Well, no, nobody's asking him to go and fight. That would be a, a waste of his uh, abilities and expertise. But they could yeah. use him to, to get more weaponry. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I would say the the one caveat to that is that his expertise was taking Russian arms and selling them in the rest of the world. Yes. And Russia's exact opposite problem right now. No, I agree. I agree. But he's got a Rolodex. Yes. He's got a Rolodex, and he and he's to, got leverage to get refunds. Right. Yeah. Um, like, uh, remember those AK-47s we gave you? Can we have those back, please? <laughs> like, uh, to some degree, if they send him outside the country, though. He's, oh, he can't. He's, he's never he's dead man. He'll never step foot. He'll never step foot out of Russia, ever again. Yeah. And also, he he could he could end up, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, taking the wrong step out of a th- uh, fifth story window at right. some point. It, uh, gravity, he might have a gravity allergy. We got We're at the end yeah. of the show. Thank you so much, Philip. Merry Binder. Christmas, follow, everybody. Happy holidays. Yep, Yay. we'll see you next weekend as well. And hopefully yes. you can join me on Wednesday for the show. Yes. And we'll dive yes. deeper at infotainmentwars.com and, of course, at twitch.tv slash Sparks. Yeah, spread the word. Help them out. And, Johnny, have fun at the dentist. Go um, get drilled, you, Johnny. And we'll see you. Yes. No, well, easy. All right, we'll see you so next week. So gross. Week.